Hello, welcome to the Grace Life Podcast. The message you're about to hear, if diligently applied, will absolutely change your life. We're praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, thereby allowing the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened. Now let's join the service already in progress with Pastor West. That's good. You know, seriously, in most churches, there's more women that come than men. Right? And I don't know what to say, y'all. <laughs> Some good men in this church. <laughs> Maybe you don't want to look for a wife in here right now. I don't know. <laughs> uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were uh, hit some things that uh, I was sharing with you when I was in Dallas. Um, oh, it's been two years now, hadn't it? Since we went to a seminar. Um, for those of you who don't know, Curry Blake, he's the one that took uh, John G. Lake's ministry. He was the one. That John G. Lake prophesied that 25 years to his death, he gave what the person would be that would come 25 years to the very day that he would die. Someone would take and take the ministry and take it further. And um, and so, uh, not going through all that. Curry Blake is that person, and uh, his family. After they met him, they knew he was the person. He fit all the criteria for it, and so he was holding uh, what John G. Lake used to hold. Uh, he's been doing it for years now. But Curry uh, was holding at his home church in Plano, Texas, outside of Dallas, uh, what they call a DHT, and that's what uh, John Lake called it. Um, <clears throat> which was a divine healing technician uh, seminar. And Michelle and I went. It was six hours a day for three days. And uh, he said a lot of what we'll teach is what's not in the book because he said, uh, and I won't go into which one's mainline denominations got John G. Lake's books. And because uh, he, he never had a, a book printed. But his wife was, uh, what do you call it, a stenographer? His second wife. And, um, uh, you know, John G. Lake was uh, children with, I mean, he was uh, in a family of how many children? Twelve? He said before he ever knew anything about healing, he said eight of my, I think it was seven or eight of his siblings died and his, his wife and everything, he said, until he found out the truth. And, of course, he devoted his entire life to, uh, to that cause and seeing people saved because a lot of times when you have healing, healing meetings and you have miracle meetings. You have mass salvations that come out of it. And so uh, you know, he was in Africa for a number of years and came back stateside, stayed in Spokane. For, uh, and I think John G. Lake, he probably started over 5,000 churches. And uh, he um, went to Spokane, for those of you who don't know, started uh, ministry there. Um, Spokane became so healthy that they had to shut the hospitals down. There was just no business. And uh, it was it was declared the the healthiest city in the entire world. And he uh, what he did is he raised up sixteen people in Spokane, and he called them divine healing technicians. And he trained them everything he knew about healing. And um, <clears throat> so, and then daily he had facilities that you could come to, and it was called healing rooms. 
if you were sick or you were terminal, you were dying, whatever, if you could get there, you come there and his deal with this, you have to come every day. You had to sign something. You had to come every day. And, uh, and so he, those healing rooms was there for five years. Most of the people that came to the healing rooms, they were all terminal. Some of them were sick, but a lot of, most of them were terminal. They ministered to about, I think it was 17 to 20, uh, terminal people who were dying every day. And he did this for five years and never lost one person. He was real lucky in that way, I guess. <laughs> but <clears throat> he talked about certain things. And so after his, after his death, um, well, he, he remarried uh, a lady, and I won't get into all the biography, but she was a stenographer. So uh, Curry Blake, when he was out there, he said if his wife hadn't been that, she said, well, he said we probably wouldn't have any of his teachings. But she would just take all his sermons, you know, and just write them out, and that's where the books come from. He said, but the problem was, uh, mainline denominations, mostly full gospel, who knew some things about healing the power of God, um, <clears throat> went in there and gutted out a lot of his messages because it disagreed with what they were teaching and they didn't want their people to see it. So they left in what they could agree with that wouldn't cause their book sales to go down. <laughs> and they gutted everything else out. He says, so what we're going to teach you in the seminar is what's not in those, not he said, what's not in those books? He says, because when the Lakes gave me the ministry, he said, I got everything uh, that John G. Lake taught. He said, I have all his personal effects. And so uh, <clears throat> to those he ministers to, that, uh, and not that this is the biggest deal, but it just tells you something about it. Uh, to those that, that Curry Blake's ministers to and those that he, he has any contact with, uh, no matter who he's praying for or what he's praying about, they have a right. Uh, it, they have a ninety-two, ninety-three percent success rate, no matter what they're praying for. Most most churches, if they get ten percent, they're having a great day. So we thought it'd be good to hear from someone who somewhat mastered something. And uh, I've always loved John G. Lake's ministries and the way that he taught. And if you never read one of his books, they're real simple books. And really his whole ministry, John G. Lake, and so is Kerr's, is, is based on authority. It's not, it's not based on gifts. We know there's gifts of healings and there's working of miracles. And we'll take all the help we can get. But we're talking about a believer, not a fivefold minister, a believer. Jesus said believers lay hands on the sick and the sick will get covered. He didn't say if they got a great gift. So <clears throat> these are kind of, um, uh, some of the the notes that came out of the session, and um, uh, some pastors don't like doing this, but I'm just going to use the notes. Some pastors wouldn't want you to think they know all this, and so I kind of do know this, but but I don't have nothing to make me look try to make me look good. I just you know because you know. I, if you like Italian food, either I, I could either go get it and make you th bring you over the house, make you think I cooked it, or I might just take you to the restaurant. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm probably going to just take you to the restaurant. So I'm kind of breaking into um, uh, there's like fifty something pages, but I'm just starting on page eleven. So though, because uh, I, I thought page ten was too much to take. No, I was kidding. But um, there's a lot that we we know. From one to ten is kind of the introduction. 
So I didn't want to start there, and I'll just go till our time runs out. I know the kids are having fun night tonight, so I won't overgo, but I'll give them time to do what they want to do. So kids kind of like to have fun. Y'all notice that? Yeah. And if they're back there with them, they're not with y'all. So that means y'all have some little fun, too. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> um, it is true, and, I'm, and I know Kurt Blake would say this. He said, uh, anybody who's ever really done anything in the healing ministry that's noted for it um, happened because they had a basic understanding that healing was in the atonement. That's one of the big discrepancies. Did Jesus provide healing in the atonement? Um, in his death, burial, resurrection. If it's not, then we don't have a case to make. But if it is, we have an absolute case to make. Most theologians, uh, by and large, believe that his death has just as much to do with healing as it had to do with salvation. It's really a dual provision. So really, if we thought about that way, at the moment we, we get someone saved, we, could, we should just go ahead and get them healed. But because we've been taught the way we've been taught, we all... we pretty much across the board all believe it's God's will to save anyone who wants to be saved, right? Because that's kind of hard to get an argument out of that, right? But if you say, well, if you ask the same group of people, you think it's God's will for everyone to be healed, you're going to lose some people. And and, and where you're going to lose people out of is out of their teaching, but mostly out of their experience. And you can't make experience doctrine. See, the thing is, we all have a story. And uh, and sometimes you say, well, God doesn't do that anymore. But then you meet someone who he did it with. Or someone say he did it in the old covenant, but he doesn't do it in the new covenant. That's true also. But I find th- I, I see things he does in the New Testament to help someone, that or, or in the Old Testament that he'll do it also in the New, if it'll help someone. One, one, one of the biggest things is, is, is generational curses. Most of the, even people in our circles believe in generational curses. But you're going to be hard-pressed in the New Testament to find anything about generational curses. Right. You can find it everywhere in the Old Testament. Hmm? There's, there's just so much in there. <clears throat> See, Jesus never, Jesus is our example, right? He never taught about generational curses one time. He never dealt with one person about a generational curse not one time. Have I met some people who needed a curse broken in the New Testament? I sure have, and helped them get it. You said, aren't you working both sides of it, sort of? But see, sometimes we can think that Jesus is just, you got a cross, it's so legalistic that he won't, he wants to help people. See, what, we're, what we may forget is this, these are his children. We are his children. And you mean you would only help your child if they could say it just right and they held the mouth just right and look just right and whatever. Otherwise, oh, no, I can't get involved in that. You didn't say that right. So it's good to have sound doctrine. See what I'm saying? But at the same time, uh, I've been in services before through the years. And, I and uh, you know, because word churches, we, we emphasize the word more than other people. You know, and some churches are are all about the presence. They're not looking to teach anything. They're just looking to sing 47 songs and hoping Jesus will come on number 13 or the Holy Spirit, and they just bask in the presence, and they'll teach a little lesson and go home, and that's what they were looking for. But we need all of it, right? Because if you just have word, you'll have word, but you won't have spirit, and you'll have just dry. 
So we need word and we need spirit. We need the Logos word and we need the Numa. So we need all of it together. And so uh, uh, here we go. So here's about the atonement. This is his notes. He says the, the beating at the whipping post was the first part where Jesus' physical body, physical body was broken for us, which was providing us with physical healing, which is 1 Peter 2.24. You know that verse. And number two, the bread or the death of the cross was the second part of the atonement which provided for the salvation of your spirits and the establishment of the new covenant, which is Romans 5, 8, or the, if it was communion, one would be the bread of communion, one would be the wine of communion. He said, if healing is provided for and accomplished, why are we not all just healed? Well, if salvation is provided for, and we would say it is, right? and accomplish, why are we all not saved? Simple. It just takes faith. God's will is for all mankind to be saved and healed, but His will does not automatically come to pass. It has to be taken by faith. If you reason that somebody was not healed because God is sovereign and can do what He wants to, then how sure are you that you were saved? If you say somebody was not healed because of God's timing, then how sure are you that you got saved and that God didn't have another time in mind to save you? Everything you believe about salvation is exactly true for healing too. Both are always God's will at all times because both were provided for in the same atoning sacrifice. So you see why we have to settle is healing in the atonement. Both are provided at the same time. Do you ever doubt that God wants to save somebody? Do y'all? I don't. Then why do you doubt he wants to heal them? Mark 2, 3 through 12 said, They came to him. They brought a paralytic who cared by four men. And when they couldn't come near because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on the paralytic where he was lying, and Jesus saw their faith, and he said to the paralytic, Son, your, sin, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their heart, Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus perceived in his spirit what they were reasoning among themselves and said to them, Why do you reason above these things in your heart? Which is easier, which one is easier? Just say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or just say to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say unto you, take up your bed and go home. Immediately this man rose, took up the bed, went out in the presence of them all, and they were all amazed, glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. They were amazed. After then he says, Healing and forgiveness are the same thing to Jesus because they were provided in the same atonement. Healing is to serve as a sign that God forgives. One was just easy as another. It's a sign that God does forgive. If God's will for healing and salvation were different, healing couldn't be the sign. Did you get that? Therefore, God's will for salvation equals God's will for healing. Please note, that doesn't mean that if you're not healed, that you're not forgiven. The devil will try to make you believe that. Don't entertain those thoughts. Healing 
proves God's will for salvation, not salvation itself. The origin of sickness, which is Romans 5, 12 and 13, it says, Therefore sin entered into the world by one man, his name's what Adam, and death through sin, and this death spread to all men because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin was not imputed where there was no law. In other words, there were sinners, but God wasn't keeping track of it. There was plenty of sinners. If there was, if there was people in the world, there were sinners in the world. But God wasn't imputing; He wasn't holding man's sins against them. Sin is the was the original cause of death and sickness and disease. And sickness and disease are immature forms of death. Now, remember these are John G. Lake's notes, and you know John G. Lake, he would just you know when, when they tested. Uh, back many years ago and they had bu- the bubonic plague and he was there and helping them and people were dying by scores. And 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 they asked him, they said, Dr. Lake, aren't you a little concerned? You you don't have any protection. He said, I'm protected. He said, I'll never get this. He said, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus overcomes the law of sin and death. He said, what does that mean? He said, that man over there just died? He said, yeah. He said, go draw some of that fluid off of his lungs, that froth. And bring it over here and bring your microscope, and I'll show you what I'm talking about. They went and took a syringe, they drew some of the fluid out, they got the microscope, he put it in his hands, and they saw the cells moving it. As soon as it touched his body, his hand, those cells died. They said, How's that possible? He said, It's the spirit and the life that overcome the death. Hmm? So he says, Sickness and disease are, are immature forms of death. Adam was the original human who sinned. But sin had its origin with Satan. He was the first to sin. There are two main causes of sickness and disease. Both fall into the territory of the enemy. There's natural, which is caused by viruses, bacteria, lifestyle, or any kind of injury. There's demonic, which is caused by a spirit of infirmity or a curse. See? And, you know, you go to a third world country, you think you're going to have trouble finding people? With curses? See, you might as well just get to work. You can go in and tell them that there ain't no such thing as curses in the New Testament. They don't believe it because they got hundreds of people out there with it. So when the enemy doesn't have anyone to resist him and say, you know, this ain't in our covenant, (laughs) it's his playground, right? Okay, so he said, but it doesn't really matter if sickness is natural or demonic. Treat it the same. Always treat it the same. Jesus died for both kinds. You must know that any type of sickness is warfare. In other words, you might say, I, got a, I, I took a cold. Well, I shouldn't have took it, but I have a cold. But he says, treat all sickness and all disease as nothing more than warfare. Satan is, is waging warfare against you. The reason that's important, and you and I are talking about this, is to have the mindset that you realize his idea is not to give you a bad day. If he could, he'd kill you with a migraine headache. So treat it as warfare. Treat it as you would if it's a rattlesnake came into your home. In other words, it is warfare, so be aggressive. So I'm saying? Because from his side, it's war. And if you just take a relaxed daisy, like, oh, well, you know, everybody gets this. 
Well, no, they, everybody doesn't. Okay? So, <clears throat> Christianity 101 is this. If it's sickness, heal it. If, if it's a demon, cast it out. If it's a curse, break it. Sin is not imputed where there is no law. Since Christ is the end of the law for all who believe, sin is not imputed on us. That makes all sickness illegal. Now, he spent 10, 11 pages teaching on the difference between law and grace. I didn't think I needed to do that because I've spent five years doing it. <laughs> so, so since sin is not imputed where there's no law, and Christ is, Romans said, is the end of the law, right? For all who believe, sin or the cause of it is not imputed or counted on you, which means Satan has no legal right. You see, under the old covenant, they did. The curse of the law for people who broke the law, was poverty, death, sickness, and disease. Christ is the end of the law. He doesn't have a legal right to do it. He has no legal right to do it. So when you've accepted Jesus who fulfilled the law from heaven's standpoint, not only, we, we, you know, we all said, we've all said this way, it's, it's, it's undeserved grace. It's grace, unmerited favor. Now, you've heard me say this, but I'm going to say it again because some of you haven't. It is unmerited favor. But after you receive Jesus, it's now merited. Right. In other words, if he gave you a different condition and gave you a personal standing, right? In other words, he imputed his righteousness to you, which made you what? Right. If you was not right, unrighteous, and now you're righteous, but because of Jesus, not us, because of Jesus, right? Now it's merited favor. It's, it, it, because he did it as our substitute, the reward is to you and I is the same as if we had kept all the law. As far as heaven's concerned, you kept all the law. Would you accept Jesus? So if you so if you could keep all the law, which no man did, but since you accepted the one who did for you as your standard substitute, you have kept all the law to the jot and tittle, even though you haven't. Does that confuse this mud? Can you see why you say it's merited favor? So he has no legal right to do this to you. First, this body is not his. Second, it's not yours either. You've been bought with a price, right? So what, hell has no, no legal way to approach this because it's not even his body and not yours. You're just being a steward over it. And that's why we need to steward our bodies. Present our body also along with our mind and our soul. So when you feel the attack come on, it's the same thing as, so in, you know, and that's where the enemy works. He works with what you don't know. That's what God says, right? My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. But when you have knowledge, you say, yeah, 
You, you mean you're going to you're going to put this on Christ's body? See, not not your body, Christ's body. Hmm? You say, well, we all got one life to live. No, you don't. You don't have any life to live. You died. Well, you don't know how they made me feel. Well, why are you living in how, how they treated you? You're supposed to be living in the love of God. See, no Wednesday's a little bit more mature stuff. Right? I know I could offend a lot of people on Sunday morning, and I don't want the camera on when I'm doing this. Right? You do like, <laughs> right? But I'm talking about people who want to go do something. Right? And these are the tools that we take to do it. So you, you, that way you know when you go to minister to someone that Satan has no right to do that to you. The way I grew up in church, we didn't know if it was God doing it or the devil doing it. We didn't know if it was God's will teaching them something, not teaching them something. So that's why, if you don't know, that's why you ever want to always pray, Lord, if it be your will. Why? Because you don't know anything. I mean, how could you pray any other way when you don't know who the author of it is? All right, so... Da, 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 da. So all this came because of Adam. One man, Adam, got us in a world of hurt. One man, Jesus, got us out. So you should be out. <clears throat> this makes all sickness illegal, no matter what natural or spiritual roots are. The original cause was sin, and Jesus dealt with your sin. Sin is a non-issue. That makes most churches mad. Right? Now watch here. Imagine you're in prison. Your crime, parentheses, sin, your crime, sin, puts you in jail, parentheses, sickness. If you are acquitted, which is parentheses, forgiven, do you stay in jail or leave? All sickness and disease are legal. They have no right. They are in rebellion against the finished work of Christ. You don't always need to find out why. You don't always need to find out why a person is sick. It's better to know why they can be set free. In other words, if the house is burning down and there's two kids in there and you've got just a few minutes, then the time to start doing the inquiry is how this thing started. I mean, you've got time to grab two kids out. We can figure that out afterwards, right? But we've got a whole bunch of folks like, well, you know... Tell me about your mama's 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 mama. And what did she do? You see, my roots go back to Jesus. Right. See, I'm not in Adam. I'm in Christ. Right. I'm not in mom and them. Them. You're, you're either here in Adam or you're in Christ. There's no, you're not in Jeremiah. Right. Now, you know that's true when you heard it. If you never thought about that, you, you just knew. When you get to heaven, right? Well, if you're in heaven, you're, you're going to stay there. There's, there's no, <laughs> but I'm just saying it's because you're in Christ. Now, your mama might have helped a lot. Mine did. Like I said, my, my mother, you know, caused me to have a drug problem. She drugged me to church every Sunday. <laughs> but I had to accept Christ, Right? I could have rejected my mother's advice. So you're either in Adam or you're in Christ. And I'm not through teaching on the blood, but, but there's even ways to look at that. People say, well, 
God looks at you through the blood. Well, he does. But other than that, he looks at you in Christ. When he looks at you in Christ, that is the blood. See, you look, Mark Hankins would say it this way, you look a lot better in Christ than you look out of him. And he would say it this way, if you don't like how you look, it's because you ain't taking a good look at him lately. Hmm, that's good, ain't it? So under the new covenant, sickness never originates from God. Never. God in the new covenant never, never, never causes or allows sickness for any season or any reason. Whenever you see examples of people dying from sickness sent by God, it was because the old covenant was still in operation. God related to mankind in the old covenant through the law, which had curses for disobedience. Those curses were sickness, disease, death, and God did away with those curses by making Jesus the curse for you, which is Galatians chapter 3. Therefore, all the curses of the law, including sickness, are illegal. I think it helps to hear it that way. Yeah. You know, we're not just trying to get healed. This is, this is illegal, what's going on. Right? And people who do things illegal should get locked up. Right? Just because they're illegal doesn't mean they don't exist. It's your job to let righteousness and justice be on earth as it is in heaven. To bring his kingdom into our world we have to change the illegal to legal, which is Matthew 12, 28. You have to change sickness to health, death to life, curse to blessing. We can't do that if we believe God sent the sickness, curse, or death in the first place. How could you change it, right? Matthew 12, 25 says, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. Every city and house divided against itself will not what? Won't stand, right? So I haven't said that, and listen to this. If God heals but also makes you sick, his kingdom is divided. Therefore, he doesn't cause sickness. If God gives life but he also kills, his kingdom is divided. Therefore, he doesn't kill. If God blesses, but he also curses, his kingdom is divided. Therefore, he doesn't curse. God never uses sickness to teach you. He has the word instead. Which is 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us that. The Holy Spirit, John 16.13, and the anointing, 1 John 2.27, does that. It's the anointing that teaches us. We have the word to teach us. Cancer is not the teacher of the church. Hmm. Now, I've run into this several times through the years, and I don't ever do this at the funeral because it's the wrong place to do it. Someone usually happens out of an injury or a tragedy, an accident, and they said, you know, when you don't know, they say, well, God, God took them. And in every case so far, most time it's been out of some type of injury or accident. Or they would say it's God's, it's, it was their time. <laughs> Either one of these are like two weeks of teaching. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just throwing out a phrase. Um, anyway, let's say, well, it's God's time. Okay, let's go with that then. Okay, it, it was, it was Joe's time. 
And that means God decided it, right? Because he's sovereign, right? Just just go with it, okay? Yeah. Joe's time, the bus came by. Joe didn't see the bus. <laughs> Joe's gone, right? It was his time. Well, who, who decides it was his time? Well, they're saying this God said it was his time, right? So how does he leave? Left with a bus. Well, I, you know, this is just how my brain works. Who ordered it? Well, now I've asked him. They said, well, no. I said, so did, so did God use the bus to take him out? Well, no. Well, no, God didn't. I said, well, who did? He said, well, I guess the devil. I said, well, who asked the devil to get involved? So you're telling me, God says, it's Joe's time. He's got to go tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Let me call hell and get Satan down there, see if I can get a, let's get a bus. I mean, if God chooses his time to go, then you, you, there has to be a method for you to leave, right? Right. So that's where they always go, well, I don't really, I was like, that's right, you don't know. Does that sound like a love of God to you? I mean, bus sound like it hurts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I've and I've seen one of those before, and I never want to see one again. Just, I mean, I hope she she passed out before it happened, but she didn't. The light turned uh, green, and she stepped in front of a Pepsi Cola truck, and they couldn't see her because of the sun, and they ran over. She's about eighty something years old. So if God took her, then you're telling me God ordered the, the Pepsi truck. No, the devil did it. Oh, so God and the devil work together now. Huh? That's not a good... Don't use that at the funeral, okay? That's not, that's not helping the family that day. But, but you got to come back and teach the church because you, we'll, we'll just go with stupid things like, well, God took them. Right? And out of some tragedy, because it makes us feel better, it was their time. Where the Lord need another angel? Well, that'd be a demotion. You don't leave here and go down to an angel. You're, you're a son of God. If you end up with an angel, you must have done something terrible. <laughs> Sons don't go to angels. Y'all not mad at me yet, are you? Okay. <clears throat> Yeah, we had a case just like that. Um, uh, family member who died years ago, and uh, and so we uh, she she got in a boat in an accident and was killed, and the other one in the boat lost toes and half a foot, and. Two days later, she just she just had got to the church about, got saved about two months before she died. So I'm over there ministering to the family because my job, I've been asked to come tell her four-year-old, eight-year-old that their mother's dead and then there's no dad at home. That's a great day ministering. They think she's in the hospital coming home there too. My job telling them she ain't never coming home. 
That's the day you'd just rather work at Sears or somewhere. Well, I know that the Spirit of God always leads if we're listening. Hmm? He's always there leading us, warning us, helping us. So I go over to the house two days later to go visit the family, bring some stuff to the kids. The neighbor's right there who live right next to her. She comes over there and talks to me. She says, you know, this is, I can't just get this out of my mind. And I said, well, yeah, it's a sad thing. She says, you know what's amazing about it? She said, her car, which never tears up, tore up on the way home from Montgomery from work, got it fixed. And then she said, uh, she said, y'all have church on Thursday nights. I said, yeah. And she says, uh, and the nephew wanted her to go to the river because he just got his boat out and he wanted her to go riding, see how the boat was doing. And she said, no, I don't think I should because I'm running behind because the car quit and run hot. And she said, we got church tonight. And he just kept on and kept on. And she said, no, and kept on, kept on. Just a few minutes and I'll have you right back. She said, she told me before she left, she says, well, I guess I'm going to go to the river with him. But she said, you know, I got the strangest feeling, a bad feeling all right in here that I shouldn't get in that boat. You know what that's called? That's called the Holy Ghost. Hmm. So we're not making light of anyone or making a case that th these are bad people, not bad people, we made a mistake, a huge mistake. You know, the Holy Ghost knows everything, Right. Well, that ain't, you don't do that at the funeral either. You go minister to the people and you, she, she's in heaven. It's a great day. Wouldn't come back if she could. She's saved. But that type of thinking is just God sovereign. You know, so it's like, okay, so it was Debbie's day to leave. How does she leave? You can't tell me God tells you, decides when you're leaving. Then some, you have to leave here somehow. There has to be an exit strategy. I just asked who's in charge of it. Does that, does falling out of a boat and it coming around and you being hit by the boat and the propeller until you're mutilated sound like how God does things? Does that sound like the goodest God to you? And leaving a four-year-old and an eight-year-old with no parents? None? Zero? Zilch? No. And so uh, <clears throat> there's just nothing in me that would believe that God didn't warn her. And then when I talked to the neighbor, I knew you had. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, that, uh, if God were to use sickness as a lesson, well, back up. If you say God used sickness to teach, you might as well call the word Jesus the Holy Spirit in the anointing, parentheses, position in Christ and disease. If God were to use sickness as a lesson, then you, sh then you should pray for the symptoms to worsen. So you can really learn your lesson. If you believe God teaches through sickness, then you are in conscious, willful rebellion against his will when you go to the doctor to seek help from him. If sickness were from God to draw you to him, pray that every member of your family becomes sick with cancer so that all of you, the whole family can draw near to God. All these sound like ridiculous statements, but it's just helping us with the idea. 
See, there's no way you're going to help people ever with sickness or disease if you think God might have done it or doesn't want to heal them. So if God gave you something to teach you something, a disease or sickness, then why are you at the hospital? Why are you at the doctor's office? Well, I'm trying to get alleviate the problem. Why? I mean, if it's going to build you up and encourage you and make you a stronger person, you, you need to, I guess, just believe for an epidemic of it. Which is kind of nuts, right? So we know he didn't do that. If sickness is from God, and then going, then going to God for healing, if sickness, if your sickness was from God, then going to God for healing would mean that you're going to the very being that is causing your destruction to be set free from your destruction. That's like going to a school bully and asking him for help to protect you from him. So the conclusion is treat all sickness the same, whether it's caused naturally or physically. Destruction is the work of the devil, and it takes all it takes for evil to reign is for a few good men to do nothing. Even doctors know sickness is bad, and that's why they devoted their entire lives to eradicating it. If medicine is not divine, it's merely a natural way of, or he says, uh, medicine is not divine, but it is a natural way of producing healing, but it has flaws, costs, side effects, misdiagnosis, failability. We're not against doctors and medicine. We're just for God. This is about divine healing, not natural remedies or diets. Okay. Praise the Lord. Y'all doing all right? Now, the new creation, which is you. Compare yourself to Jesus according to the fallen attributes. One representing very little of the attribute, ten representing the attribute to the fullest perfection. Jesus, righteousness, from one to ten. Hmm? How many believe Jesus was ten on righteousness? How about you? Are you as righteous as Christ? According to the word. Say, because it's his righteousness, not yours, right? That's 2 Corinthians 5.21, proves that. Holiness, Jesus, you. That's Ephesians 5.27 and 1 Corinthians 3.17 talks about your holiness, which is of him. Power. How Jesus do on power? <laughs> How about you? You can say by experience, not. But Acts one eight, Jesus sent him to the upper to Jerusalem to receive what? He said, "The same works that I do, you'll do, and greater works than these." How how could he tell you to do the same works and give you less to work with? That's like a carpenter telling me to go build something and he takes all his tools away. Hmm? How about uh, giftedness? Did Jesus have gifts? Yes. Do you have the gifts? First Corinthians 12 says we do. Right? 
Jesus operated in all the gifts. Sometimes we've been taught that we may have one or two of them. I have operated in all the gifts. All the time? No. But from time to time, all the gifts. The, the teaching most of us heard through the years is we have the full measure of Christ in the, in the body, the whole body. So we have all the gifts and the measure in the whole body. Well, what if the gift you need is in the body in Australia? Right? And we can't get to the gift and we can't get any help. See what I'm saying? And do you know the whole body of Christ? So we really can't receive what we need there if we don't even know the whole body. In other words, you could op operate in the, in the power gifts, right? You could operate in the utterance gifts, all the power gifts, but you may not at all times. You don't always have to have a gift to minister healing. Actually, you never have to. If it becomes necessary, they're available. If it takes more than what you are operating out of your Hebrews 11 faith, then the Holy Spirit there is there with a the gift of faith. But you don't have to stop to discern, did it make the transition? I don't, I don't want to use this to bore anyone, but when my mother was raised from the dead in church, I'll never forget that experience because obviously she was raised from the dead. But I, I, I know what that was like. I, I literally felt like something dropped on me. I always said it like if you took one of those long like coats, you know, floor length, someone took it off, it was real heavy. And they just kind of threw it, and then something that heavy, you would kind of feel. It was, you know, it felt kind of like that. I felt something drop on me. And when it did, I, I, I just couldn't doubt. There wasn't nothing in me that was doubted. I mean, time was going by and all this, and, you know, and there was, I mean, CPR would have not been a bad idea, but no, I never thought of it. And she was dead fast. And, you know, and it just meant nothing to me in the sense of, I mean, I, I watched everyone praying for it and I watched everyone, you know, taking their pulse. And we had nurses there and we had all kind of medical people there and uh, former paramedics and all that. And I'm watching everybody go like this and like this and like this and all that. And I watch them all. I, mean, I, I see all that. So they're saying she doesn't have any pulse. Well, we all knew that. So it had to be the gift of faith in operation. There was just there. There wasn't an ounce of of doubt in me. Now this is an experience. So just and I'm saying we got to go by the word. But but listen to this. In this sense, when she was raised from the dead, within within 30 seconds, that thing that I felt like this. This, this is bad theology. What I'm about to say. This is incorrect theology. But I'm trying to give you of what it was like. When she was raised from the dead, that which was on me came off of me. And that special faith left me with the way it was before then. This is wrong theology, but I almost felt unsaved. It's like, ugh. Hmm? 
See what I'm saying? Well, there's the, the gift of faith. There's gifts of healings and there's working of miracles. To raise the dead, there's at least two gifts required to do that. I knew when they were present and I knew when they weren't. But you take someone like, uh, who am I thinking of, the guy in Mexico? Who? Yeah, I mean, his network's raised over five, 600 people from the dead. David was shot dead himself by the cartel and his family raised him up. He said, but I've had at least 500 pastors by the cartel killed in the last several years. So we was run out of pastors, so we had to learn how to raise our, our pastors from the dead. <laughs> now, if you, want a, if you want a guy who can mess with your theology, now he, he wouldn't belong, you know, David Hogan would not belong at First Baptist Church. But that's not who they'd have in. Just, just look him up on YouTube. And see if you can handle him about 20 minutes. You know, he gets all excited and he, he'll make a point and he'll go, whoop, 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 whoop. <laughs> he got his old beard, you know, and it's just, he's well, he, he's in Mexico dealing with the cartel. I mean, he, he's not down there with a simple God haircut, you know, or Church of God, up like this, you know, and bringing in the sheaves full of ticks and fleas. I mean, now, you know, I'm just saying he's, God has different people in different places. So, you know, if, if you had five people raised, 500 people raised from dead, you, your opinion should mean something. You probably know something. Right? Okay. Now, all right, so here we go. Uh, Spirit-filled, Jesus is 1 to 10. How about you? Romans 8, 11 said, The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, from hell, that same identical Spirit is in you now, quickening your mortal body. The same spirit. Right? How about the glory? Jesus get a 10? What about you? John 17, 22, Jesus said, the same glory that you sent me out, I'm sending them out in. Same glory. Hmm? How about blessedness? Does Jesus get a 10? What about you? Ephesians 1, 3 said, you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Hmm. How about you, the level of favor? Jesus get a 10? Yep. How about you? Yep. Ephesians 2 6 says you, you, you have the same, you have the same thing he had on the level of favor. See, anything, anything that we're using as an excuse is a tradition of men. Just a tradition of men. So he said, here's some extra verses. And I only got just a few minutes. First John four seventeen says, "Love has been perfected among us in this that we have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we when we get to heaven. No, in this world, as He is now, so are we now in this world." And I won't quote Romans eight eleven because I just did the same spirit. Uh, Romans 8, 14 through 17. For as many are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with your spirit that you are the children of God. And if you are the children of God, then you are the heirs of God, and you are joint heirs with Christ. 
1 Corinthians 6, 17 said, He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. One translation says, has formed a single spirit. You have formed a single spirit with the Lord. He that is joined, as you know, is also the word laminated, has become one. So when the enemy is dealing with you and you're one spirit with the Lord, you're, you're like the laminate floor. You're like the, the joining of woods in a piano case. The enemy doesn't know where you end and Christ picks up. So when he picks on you, he doesn't really know who he's picking on. Unless we say something stupid and tell him, like, I can't take more of this, and he knows that's not Christ. Yeah. <laughs> he, your flesh revealed. <laughs> oh, it's Harold over there. Yep. <laughs> Harold's thinking with his flesh again. Hmm. That's why I always, you know, back in, you know, I'll, I'll, my only story is the only ones I have, but I, years ago, I saw this uh, when our kids were real little and they were all watching Bambi. Y'all ever watch Bambi? Now, if you watched it last night, don't, 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 don't tell us. But, but you know where the hunters are coming in into the, the woods and it's springtime and all the uh, animals are afraid and they're receding into the woods and there's these little birds in there and they're talking and the little bird, she's saying, oh, I'm scared, I'm scared. And you can hear the hunters coming, trump, 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 trump. And, and the bird's hidden very well. And, uh, but she's, She's having an anxiety attack. And the hunters are getting closer. And then in the movie, she says, I can't stand it anymore. And then so she leaves her covering. We're hid in Christ. And she goes to the air. She goes airborne. And and the feathers go everywhere. So you're hid in Christ. Right? Now, what tipped, what tipped the hunter off? I can't take it anymore. The enemy roams to and fro throughout the earth looking for someone he he may devour. Now, he can't, but he might be able to. How does he know? I can't take it anymore. Does that sound like a Christ statement? I mean, when, when Jesus was in the wilderness for four days, 40 nights, nothing to eat, which I have never done a four-day fast. Or maybe even a day, I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but did you did you read in Matthew chapter four, that four day fast where Jesus said on you know day twenty-three, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> and Satan says, Well, go ahead and turn the bread into stone. I won't tell anybody. <laughs> he says, Are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> If he'd have done that, we 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 would have been sunk, <laughs> right? We would have been sunk. I'm just telling you. So you are joined to the Lord, so you are one spirit with the Lord. It's not the Lord's up here and you way off over here in the back forty somewhere. We are one with Him. So as He is, so are you. All this is reinforcements to know who you are and what belongs to you. And if you know you have the tools and the right then you'll have much better results. Right? Okay. Almost through right here. Second uh, Peter 1, 3 through 4 says, His divine power has given us all things to pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that called you to glory and virtue, 
which have been given to you by exceeding in great and precious promises that through these you might be the partakers of his divine nature. You are the partaker of his nature. Yeah. Having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. John 14, 20, the new King James says, I'm, Jesus said, I'm in the Father, you are in me, and I'm in you. Yeah. John 17, 20 says, I don't pray for these alone. This is not for he's crucified. I don't pray for these alone, but also for those who would believe in me through their word, that, would, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, Jesus said, I have given them so that they may be one as we are one. I and them, you and me, that they may be perfect in me. Are you perfect? He says you are in him. See, that's what Mark Hanger said. If you don't like the way you look, it's because you ain't took a look at him recently. They are now perfect in me. That's good. Because there's some days we don't all feel that perfect. Huh? You know. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's enough. I mean, so you, you you have to you have to see who you are and what he's done, and then you you change your mind by renewing your mind, right? Not removing your mind, renewing it. If you re remove it, that's you know, but you you renew it. You 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 change your thinking. You change your belief system. So you you go into a situation. You are a situation. And you got a believer there and you say, well, I got this and I got that. Well, it don't belong to you. Natural or demonic? This is illegal. Satan trespassed on holy ground. You, you, your body is the holy ground. He's, he trespassed. Well, what, what are you going to do with the trespasser? Hmm? It may be like the guy, you know, stole joke, you know, but he wakes up at night and the burger's in, you know, in the bedroom looking for something. He wakes up and said, who are you? He said, I'm the burger. What are you looking for? He said, I'm looking for all your money. He said, well, let me turn the light on and I'll help you look. <laughs> you know, just <laughs> we can find any, we might split it. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Did someone tip you off, my wife or something? I mean, you know. Praise the Lord. <laughs> 